much. Uh, this morning, I have the privilege of bringing us God's word. So if you have your Bibles or on your devices, please turn with me to Psalm 23. Psalm 23, and I'll be reading from the New International Version, if you can pick your translation. Psalm 23, let's give our full attention to the reading of God's word. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside quiet waters, he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Let's come to the Lord in prayer and ask the Spirit to help us as we get started. Jesus, we come to you this morning as we are. We bring our whole selves to you. And we ask God that you would satisfy our hearts with your love today. Help us to taste and see that your love is better than life. We ask God for open hearts to receive your word. Would you speak to us, Lord? Open up our hearts to believe and to receive your mercy. We love you, God, and we thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Well, last Sunday, uh, if you've been joining us for any amount of time, we wrapped up our series in the book of Acts, a spirit-filled church, uh, and next week we're starting our new sermon series, A Childlike Wonder. And so today, we're kind of in between, and today's message is a standalone message. Uh, this morning, I wanted to share a message with you on transitions. Now, I don't know if this is particular to LA, maybe it's city culture, uh, or maybe it's just the times we're living in, but based on the conversations I've had with some members in this community, uh, from what I've been hearing, it sounds like a lot of people here in our community are experiencing some kind of transition. You're in transition. Uh, let me give you a few examples. I think a lot of people in the past year or so have been moving. Uh, some of you have moved from outside of L.A. into L.A. for work, to follow your dreams, uh, maybe for career. Uh, for some of you, you've been moving around in L.A. Some members in our community have experienced transitions in their relationships this year. Uh, a marriage, uh, maybe a breakup. And for others of you, uh, you're experiencing a difficult transition uh, as you've had to face the death of loved ones. And for others of you, I think it might be an unusually joyful season as you've transitioned into the life of parenthood, uh, witnessing the birth of a child. There are others in our community who are in the middle of transitioning in their careers, a promotion, a layoff, a complete change in vocational direction, and even for our children, youth, and college students, as summer is over, school is back in session, they're beginning to transition back into school, their bodies are changing, they're growing up, they're becoming more aware, and all of us are experiencing some kind of transition. And if uh, you don't resonate with that list of transitions, uh, maybe some of our transitions in our community just has to do with age. We're just getting a little older growing up. 
Uh, I think just this past week, some of our staff were like, oh man, my this is not working uh, like it used to, or like my this is always hurting, and I'm just kind of sitting there like, oh man, is that my future? <laughs> um, all this to say, it seems to me like transitions, big or small, good or bad, are happening all the time. Life is full of transitions. And so today, using Psalm 23, uh, a, a really famous psalm, a really popular psalm, as a lens, I wanted to explore three things that I believe this psalm teaches us about transitions. Three things that Psalm 23, I believe, uh, teaches us about transitions. So number one, transitions are inevitable. Number two, transitions are opportunities. And number three, transitions are reminders. Okay, so first, transitions are inevitable. When you read this psalm, uh, you'll notice very quickly that there's so much transition taking place, so much movement. David is going from one place to the next, to the next, and to another. And it's interesting to me that David doesn't describe his experience with God as one unchanging setting. He doesn't say in this psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, and I live in his house every day, all day long, forever, Selah. Right? That's not the picture we get. King David talks about his experience of God, his relationship with God, using metaphors and imagery like lying down in green pastures, being led to quiet waters, guided along right paths, and even walking through the darkest valley. In six verses, David describes six different transitions into six different spaces. And this is describing how his relationship with God takes him through all kinds of different seasons. Some are good, and some are terribly dark and difficult. And so at the very least, when we look at Psalm 23 and David's experience with God, we can see that transitions are normal. If you're here this morning and you're going through transition and you're just wondering, why me, God? Where are you? Did I do something wrong? At the very least, Psalm 23 offers us comfort that transitions are normal. They're to be expected. But, what, but something else we see in this psalm is that transitions are not just normal. They're inevitable. They're unavoidable. If you look very carefully at how each verse is structured, what you'll notice is that the Lord is the subject and David is the passive object. In other words, it's the Lord who performs every action on behalf of David. It's the Lord who initiates every transition. It's not David who decides when and where transitions happen. It's the Lord who makes David lie down, who leads David beside quiet waters. It's the Lord who refreshes David's soul. And so when David in the psalm intentionally and repeatedly uses this grammatical pattern, he's communicating something to us that whatever transitions we're experiencing, whether they happen as a result of our own actions or they happen completely outside of our control, at the highest level, all of our transitions are ultimately ordained by the Lord. You know, I think so much of our anxiety and worry around difficult transitions is caused by the lack of control that we feel. When we face change or transition into something that is uncertain, isn't it true that like sheep, we grow insecure, we grow fearful, and as a self-preservation instinct, we tend to grasp desperately for security and control. Something, anything, to mask our sense of insecurity. We work so hard to create for ourselves a sense of safety 
a sense of control. Think about the last time you experienced an unusually difficult transition. What was your primal reaction, your natural instinct? I think in our culture and in a city like LA, where status, where having an image, a presentable image is at such a high premium, it's true that all of us want to not be caught off guard. Whenever we transition, we wanna be in control. And I think we tend to do this because we don't believe that God is ultimately in control. We feel that at the end of the day, the only person you can really trust is yourself. But Psalm 23 shows us something remarkable. Yes, transitions may be inevitable. Yes, you may not be able to control when dark valleys come your way. But Psalm 23 shows us that our shepherd, Jesus, knows exactly what he's doing. That he is always in control. That he is never late. He's never surprised. He's always working in your life. No transition happens in your life, in my life, without God ordaining it with a purpose. Then the natural question I think that follows is, well, what is that purpose? If transitions happen in our lives with a God-ordained purpose, for what purpose does God ordain these transitions in our lives? And that leads me to the second point. Transitions are opportunities. They are opportunities for us to experience the Lord as our good shepherd. In this psalm, at every transition, at every different location, David experiences Jesus shepherding him. See, the Christian faith is not just believing certain propositions, but the Christian faith is something to be experienced with someone. And David is experiencing Jesus shepherding him. David was a shepherd, and so he uses very intimate language from his personal experience that I think you and I, um, raise your hand if you know a shepherd, right? And, uh, said no one ever. Oh, there's a little kid. Okay. Um, <laughs> God bless you. Uh, uh, right, like no one really kind of looks at this psalm and thinks, oh, okay, I really resonate with that, right? When's the last time someone made you lie down beside a green pasture, right? Creepy. Uh, but David is using very personal, intimate, experiential language, and I want to kind of share some of this with you. I didn't know this, um, but sheep don't lie down very naturally or very normally. When they're hungry, uh, they're not like rabbits where they're like, you know, they just kind of sit and graze. They actually stand to eat. Uh, when they're feeling afraid or they're nervous or anxious, they stand up. They won't sit down. Why? Because to lie down is to be vulnerable. To lie down is to feel secure and to feel safe. And so when David says, the Lord makes me lie down, David is saying, Jesus, my shepherd, he satisfies me. I'm full. He makes me feel safe. I can let my guard down. I can rest. I can breathe. When David says, Jesus, my shepherd, guides me on right paths, paths that lead to my flourishing and to a life of abundance in him, why does God do this? Why does Jesus, our shepherd, do this? Because that's who he is, for his own name's sake. Like a parent who knows what's best for their child, for their sake, for their own sake, for the sake of their love for their child, they do what's best for their child. And even when sheep wander through the darkest valleys, valleys of shadow and death, David says, I don't have to be afraid because even there, 
you're with me. You're shepherding me. You'll pull me close if I wander too far, and you'll protect me if dangerous predators try to approach me. Everywhere the sheep goes, the shepherd is working tirelessly for the good of his sheep. Why? Simply because shepherds love their sheep. Transitions are opportunities for us to experience the Lord as our good shepherd. You know, I wonder um, how much of God's ordinary work in our lives we miss because we're simply frantic, anxious, and not paying attention. Uh, One of the transitions I'm experiencing at this stage of my life uh, has a lot to do with parenthood. I have a four-year-old, a one-year-old, and by God's grace, we have another one coming in October. (laughs) Pray for us. (laughs) And uh, this transition is so good, and sometimes it's so hard. And one of the transitions that we're having to prepare for as we prepare for the birth of our third daughter is we have to move our kids back into the same room and have them sleep together, okay? All their parents probably know where I'm going. Trigger warning, right? Um, So we're putting them in the same room to sleep, and when one uh, child is not having uh, a good time, they stand up, start shouting and screaming, and then the other one uh, starts crying and screaming. It's like a two-person domino that just keeps falling on each other, right? Um, Kind of never-ending. And my wife is tired, I'm tired, we wanna kinda wind down, and so, uh, like a good pastor, I go in there, I'm like, go to bed or no Chuck E. Cheese. (laughs) Right, I'm like threatening my kids um, to go to sleep. Um, And my wife, she's so godly, she's like, we come out and she's like, you know, why do you think we get frustrated? Do you think it's because our expectations are too high or because our tolerance for personal discomfort is too low? (laughs) I'm like, thanks. Thanks, babe. <laughs> Pray for me, honey. <laughs> right? Um, and then all of a sudden, I'm having this kind of existential crisis, right? Like, you can imagine, like, I'm a sheep, but in that moment, I'm, like, standing on my feet, and I'm pacing, and I'm trying to figure out why am I the way that I am? And I think oftentimes, this is how we approach transition. We try to imagine transitions are like mathematical equations. That If you just know the 10 steps to how to get through this season of your life, you'll be okay. All the while missing out on saying, I simply don't know what I'm doing or how to go about this, but Lord, I know you're with me. What are you trying to teach me? Where are you, Lord, right now? Without transitions, you and I would only have a propositional knowledge and understanding of Jesus as our shepherd. It's only when we go through valleys that we experience him actually shepherding and nourishing our souls. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, the people of God are wandering in the wilderness. They're preparing to inherit the promised land. And this is what the Lord tells his people. I just want to read a few verses for you. He says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. He also says, when, have you, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. But be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. Otherwise, when you eat 
and are satisfied, when all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God. See, transitions have a unique way, a profound way of exposing what we love and where we put our trust. And this happens in both good transitions and difficult transitions. When we're led by the Lord into green pastures, into a place of abundance, safety, security, these transitions can lead to an increase of blessing and the temptation can be to trust in the blessing. For example, more money, not a bad thing, can lead to more security, also not a bad thing. But the danger is this can create indifference in our hearts towards God, a forgetfulness towards God. We don't care to want God as long as we always have his stuff. When we experience difficult transitions, transitions that lead to desolation, heartache, and pain, the temptation can be to forsake God, to abandon God, and to try to do things in our own power. And the reality that we see from this psalm is that both lead to discontentment. Both lead to a troubled soul. Only in Jesus Christ, our good shepherd, can we say, I lack nothing. Whether I'm beside green pastures experiencing plenty or in darkest valleys where my soul feels crushed, we can say, I shall not want. Everything I could ever need, I find in him. This psalm is not ultimately about transitions. The main point of Psalm 23 is to see and marvel at the reality that the Lord of heaven and earth, the one who created all things and sustains all things, so intimately loves you that he gives you the privilege, he gives me the privilege to call him my shepherd, our personal shepherd. And so what we see in this psalm is the unmistakable love of the Lord for his child. That's the point of this psalm. And if this is true, if King Jesus is indeed my shepherd, if, he can, if you can call him your shepherd, then this psalm emphatically shows us that the goal of the Christian faith is not about a place, it's about being with a person. The transitions become not the ends, but the means the opportunities to return to the main thing, the one thing, to make David's confession in this psalm our own. The Lord God, he is my shepherd. And because he's the best at loving me and taking care of me, I can say I lack nothing. I long for this psalm to be true in me, to know that I know that Jesus is not just our shepherd, I'm not just a part of the flock. Jesus is not just a shepherd of his people, which are all good and true, but to say, the God of heaven and earth, Jesus Christ, he is my shepherd. I am his, and he is mine. I pray this psalm would be your confession as well. If you're in transition right now and you feel blessed or you feel discouraged, that you would look past the blessings, you would look past the discouragement, and look to the face of our, our Savior, our shepherd, and say, you are my shepherd. In you, I lack nothing. In this psalm, there's this rare gem of contentment. 
We have so much, but we're so dissatisfied in our culture, aren't we? This Psalm, David says, in you I lack nothing. And lastly, transitions are reminders. They remind us that we're not home yet, but one day we will be. David ends this psalm with great assurance and hope. In verse six, he says something truly remarkable. He says, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He says, Jesus, my shepherd, he leads me to many places. Sometimes it's green pastures, sometimes it's plenty, and sometimes it's thorny and full of thistles and rocks and pain. And yet, no matter where I go, he is always following me. That word follow uh, is not like uh, tagging along. Um, It means to pursue, to go after, to chase down. So David is saying, No matter where I go, no matter how far I wander, no matter how high or how low I feel in my relationship with you, your steadfast grace, your covenantal love will come after me. It'll chase me down. And you will make sure that I make it home. How did David have this kind of assurance in the life that he lived? And how can you and I have this kind of assurance in the city that we live in? When David was called by the Lord to be the next king of Israel, David wasn't out looking for the Lord. God is the one who saw David out in the field shepherding sheep, and God is the one who called to him. From the very beginning, God has always been chasing after David. And I want to tell you this morning, friends, from the beginning, God has always been chasing after you. In the Gospel of John, chapter 10, Jesus makes a profound declaration. He says, I'm the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And he says, there are many hired hands. There are many false shepherds in the world. And all of them are shouting at you for your trust and your allegiance. Follow me, follow me. In the name of money, success, happiness, status, that next promotion, that ideal relationship, the next home, the praise and approval of others, all of these things are shouting at us, follow me. Come follow me and I will give you these things. But Jesus exposes them for what they really are, cruel shepherds. They promise you these things, but the price they demand is that you'd have to die in order to have them. You have to compromise the most important things in your life your family, your relationships, your values? What, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? There are shepherds that are calling for our attention and saying, if you die for me, I will give you all these things. But you see, friends, Jesus is the only shepherd who does the very opposite. He says, I will come to you. I will find you. And I will pay every price to bring you home. In Jesus, our good shepherd, we have someone who is not at a distance calling us to himself, but we have a shepherd who comes to us and says, I will die for you. I will lay down my life for my sheep. Not because you and I deserve it, 
but because he loves us unconditionally. How can you and I be assured that Jesus will carry us home? Where do we get the power to say with this psalmist, your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord? The answer is in verse one. It's because Jesus is your shepherd. Sheep are not the brightest creatures, but they know the voice of their shepherd. And once they trust their shepherd, they will not follow the voice of strangers. So when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, he is saying, I trust you. You've already proven yourself trustworthy to me, and I trust you and I'll follow you. In Jesus, he has paid in his own blood to prove his love and faithfulness to you and to me. So when we experience transitions as we follow the Good Shepherd, let them be reminders for you that you are not yet home. Whether we experience plenty or lack, we are not yet home. But home is not somewhere, it's with someone. Home is wherever you belong. And this psalm tells us you belong to the Lord Jesus. He is your shepherd and you are his sheep. May we remember the Lord's kindness as we begin a new season here at Citizens, as we continue to experience transition, as we continue to venture into whatever unknowns that God has for this community. As you and I, as we grow in our life with God, and God leads us through many transitions. Let's remember the Lord's kindness to us. Let's call him our shepherd. Let's not forget his kindness. And when we do, let's trust that he will pursue us, that his steadfast love, his goodness will come after us, it will come after you and carry us home. Let's pray. want to give you a moment to respond to the word. Um, and I think first, if you're in transition, um, going through something good, uh, or going through something difficult, um, I think the first thing we can do is just be honest, to acknowledge where we are before the Lord. The kind of relationship that Jesus invites us into is a personal, intimate, honest, and vulnerable relationship. Maybe the first step to experiencing him shepherding you right now is just to acknowledge him. And so I want to give you a moment to just come to your shepherd. Be with him. Where are you this morning? Where are you this season? The Lord your God, he has come for you today. He is with you today. Let's come to the Lord and honestly, vulnerably present ourselves to him, come to him as we are.
We'll pray for one more thing and then we'll respond in songs of praise. Let's pray. secondly, let's just confess, even in our weakness, even if you feel like your faith is not great, that's okay. It's not the measure of your faith. It's the object of your faith that saves you. Jesus is your shepherd. Let's confess, Lord, you're my shepherd. If it helps you to just read through this psalm quietly, you could take a moment to do that. You can just acknowledge him, and, and let's take a moment to ask the Lord, uh, to shepherd us in this season of our lives, to lead us, to lay us down in safety. If we are to face dark nights for the soul, trials and tribulations that are too painful to describe, let's ask the Lord, make your presence known to me. When I am pressed in on every side by my enemies, those who want to kill, steal, and destroy my life. Lord, prepare a feast before their very presence. Help me to rest with you, to eat and be satisfied knowing you're shepherding me. Let's ask the Lord to shepherd us. Let's acknowledge him as our shepherd. And then I'll close and we'll sing together. Let's pray. Pray for us. Uh, Lord, so many times uh, we're told if we just have the next best thing, uh, we're going to make it. Um, but that is, that is a lie straight from hell. What we need is not another thing, another, another promotion, a vacation, a positive change in our lives. What we need is a person. What we need is you, Lord. You're the one thing. God, I pray, I'm sure, in a community this large, there are people experiencing unimaginable pain, heartache, dark and terrible valleys. God, come meet them there. Remind us, God, you're not trying to tell us something. You're just sitting with us. creating space to embrace us as we are. And Lord, when we are going through plenty, when we're experiencing 
your goodness and your grace in more obvious, tangible ways. Help us to remember, God, that those things do not compare to the joy of knowing you, Lord, our shepherd. As we transition out of this summer season and into this new year and what you have for us this ministry year, let it be our confession as a community, God, that Jesus, you are my shepherd. Let that be our prayer and our song and our hope. And may those who come into this community find that there is a place for them too, that they can call the God of heaven and earth their personal shepherd as well. We pray that you would do that work in us and through us for your glory and for our joy. In Jesus' name, amen. If